A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's gonna get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. Paul Watson, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Paul Watson, I guess freelance journalist for BuzzFeed, Paul Watson? <laughs> you know, I've, I've been going back and forth on this. I'm, uh, I'm a, certainly a freelance journalist for BuzzFeed right now and proud to be so. And I think probably next week I may be just a writer or something like that. And also Paul McLeod of BuzzFeed, reporter for BuzzFeed, uh, we have two co-hosts today. I think that this is just going to be a hot mess. There's just so much going on. I don't even know where to begin, so I got two of you to help me sort it out. Welcome back to Canada Land, Paul McLeod. Hey, Jesse. How's it going? This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by a couple hundred new supporters. We're in the middle of a pledge drive, and what I announced last time, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but I, we announced that we're now a national radio show uh, offered for free to community and college radio stations, and I, I'm really proud to announce that in addition to the uh, nine stations that I, uh, I mentioned last time, we're now also on the air in Penticton, Edmonton, Sudbury, St. John, and Salmo. If you want your uh, community or college radio station to carry Canada Land for free, you can reach uh, Katie at CanadaLandShow.com. That's what you pay for when you fund this show. You also fund our journalism. If you go to the site now, underneath the subscribe button, there's a list of stories that we broke since we started this project two years ago. I think it's important that people who are considering supporting the show with a buck a month five bucks a month, seven, whatever. They should know what we've done so far, what they're paying for. And you can see every story we've broken on the website. And I also announced last time that we are 
heading towards our next goal, which is to have an arts and culture show. I've been asked to give a bit more detail on what we have in mind. And uh, on the next episode of Canada Land on Monday, where I'll be interviewing Margaret Atwood, I'll talk a bit more about the arts and culture show. So that's it for the crowdfunding effort, the pledge drive. Go to patreon.com slash Canada Land to find out about the rewards and... Uh, We'll leave that there for now. And this episode is also brought to you by FreshBooks. Paul Watson, now that you're a freelancer, you should know about FreshBooks. It's uh, a cloud accounting solution for uh, us freelancers and small business uh, people and entrepreneurs. And uh, it's a great way to send invoices. It's uh, cloud accounting. It's a lot easier than using Microsoft Word. You get paid quicker. It's nice and slick and professional. It's actually kind of fun to use. And if you go to freshbooks.com right now, you can use it for free for 30 days. It will save you time, I promise you. And FreshBooks has been our sponsor since the beginning. Go to freshbooks.com and use it for free for 30 days. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. Paul Watson, I've been asked since I had you on the show, uh, whatever happened to the Paul Watson story, whatever happened to that big story that Paul Watson had to quit the Toronto Star in order to report, and it came out on BuzzFeed. Right, and look, the short answer is it took a long time, and that's because BuzzFeed is an exceptional news organization. You know, I'm I'm new to the new media as a as a reporter, and I'm sort of you know I'm old school. I've been in this business almost thirty years. I worked for a great newspaper, some of the best editors in the English language at the L.A. Times, and they were rigorous. But I'm telling you, BuzzFeed was more rigorous than they were, and that's a good thing. The you know the the Toronto Star tried to kill this story. People should remember that, and BuzzFeed gave it life. And not only did they give it life, but you know, with the help of the other Paul who's who's uh, with us today, he contributed, 
Uh, other people contributed and made it into a rock-solid story. And BuzzFeed should be proud of that. I'm just glad that these other ways of getting stuff out exist. You know, could you imagine if the Toronto Star had banned you from reporting it, and then there's just sort of a, a sense of, you know, we, we talked about this before, that people were spreading rumors about you. If we only had the old guard, I fear that the story never would have come out. And to that question of was there a problem with the journalism or was there a problem with Paul and and, and the aspersions people were casting on, on your mental state? The story is out. People can read it for themselves. And I just think you've put to rest any question about whether or not this was, uh, you know, as the star put it, this was not a story of significant public interest. We, we don't pass on stories of significant public interest. There's just no question. That's done. I mean, this story, I'm going to summarize it really quickly because it's a long story. It's an in-depth story. And the rigor that you're describing, it shows in the story. And people should go to BuzzFeed to read it in full. But it's just there. Uh, and, and what is there is that John Geiger, who was the the uh, Harper government sort of hand-picked spokesman for the shipwreck expedition, who was the face of the discovery of, of the shipwreck, the Erebus, wasn't on the ship, as he let, led people to believe. He was not on the ship that discovered the shipwreck. In fact, he was in a separate ship, a uh, cruise ship, with wealthy sponsors of the expedition on a separate body of water. What I learned reading your story, Paul, is that it's actually despite John Geiger that the discovery was made. He he wanted a, an icebreaker to come and help him get the cruise ship out of the situation it was in. And if that had happened, they wouldn't have found, they might not have found the Erebus. So that's just totally different than the official version that we got. The date is totally different than the official version we got. And how that is not a story of significant public interest, by the prime minister's estimation, this is an historical find. So the details matter. The fact that civil servants and scientists couldn't get the truth out matters. Your story is, for me, as a guy who doesn't care at all about shipwrecks, only half of the story. Because the real story for me is why did the Toronto Star not let you report this? And if there was some problem with you personally— why didn't they get somebody else to report it? Is there any more insight you can provide in, into helping to answer that question? Because I've asked Michael Cook and he hasn't gotten back right, to I'll, I'll remind your listeners of a couple other things. They also said that I didn't leave because they wouldn't print a story of significant public interest, which in fact was the truth. That is why I left. They said it was a personnel matter and then refused to say what that meant. Uh, you know, not so mysterious operatives went around whispering about the my you know mental instability and then they turned their lawyer on me and tried to intimidate book publishers and on and on. And that's the sort of thing that would be front page news in the Toronto Star if any other corporation in the country did that to a valuable employee. But instead, they spin it. And now that the story's out and the evidence is obvious and all of their efforts to suppress it and to intimidate people failed miserably, what do you get? Complete silence. So why? Why did they? Why did this happen? Well, the, the facts speak very loudly, and you know the, 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 this is important to me. You know, the, the, this week the Toronto Star is launching a new tablet app. Good for you. I know the Star Touch. Right. You would have. You would have been a wonderful launch story for Star Touch. Well, well, listen. You, you know, good, good for you. Technology's great, but as far as I know, there's no algorithm written to create trust between the reporter and the reader. And, uh, you know, I'm living proof that there are ethical problems at the Toronto Star. And if you continue to trust them, no matter how fancy their delivery is, uh, you know, I would urge you to look around. And there is proof today that the new media in the form of BuzzFeed Canada did the right thing. And they not only did the right thing, they did a superb job of editing on it. 
And people people need to know that. And, and you know, it's not just me uh, lauding the story. Uh, Don Martin of CTV and Dave Seglins of the CBC. It's just a very solid piece of journalism. Uh, to those who expected this to be like a earth-shattering revelation that's going to be an election issue, I don't think that's what it is. I think that it is more proof of cronyism and favors given to uh, political allies and at the expense of the of the truth. And, and it's everything that ripples out that I think makes this sort of more rotten – I, I don't know. We don't have to prioritize it. It's interesting and relevant in a number of ways. Paul McLeod, are you going to touch this? Why did the Toronto Star not want Paul to go further with this? Do you have any input there? Oh, I, I don't have any information on that at all. I came in pretty late on this. But, I mean, we, on behalf of BuzzFeed Canada, we were very happy to have the chance to work with Paul. I do think I'm very happy with how the story turned out. I thought that there was obviously even just the initial revelation that so many of us who got the impression that John Geiger was there during the discovery, finding out he was, you know, dozens of miles away on a different ship was quite eye-opening. And I thought Paul did a great job of sort of showing the connections to people within the PMO and the whole background of it. So uh, what happened with the star, I have no idea. I'm, I'm just happy we, we managed to get the story out there. Facts matter and, and the truth matters and we want to report things thoroughly. And, you know, this is where Canada, and you know, we want to report on the media angle of this, but we just like, they're not saying anything about it. They hid behind this personnel matter thing. And they just sort of shoved aside the idea that this might be a real story. And so all we can do is speculate. Does it have to do with the fact that uh, that John Geiger and Michael Cook worked together in the past? Does it have to do with the fact that John Geiger's wife is a Toronto Star editor? I like to know things for sure and not speculate like that. But when all I have are those connections to work with in trying to come up with some plausible hypothesis, I, I'll talk about that stuff. It's not like we're just not going to talk about what might have stopped this from getting done, what might have stopped them from stopping you, Paul, from reporting this until we can get a clear account of something that obviously they need to they need to make an account for. Look, Jesse, I'll, I'll say it straight. I suspect, as I told editors, I suspect that they're protecting a friend. And this is important to note. You're talking about this. Don Martin on CTV Power Play interviewed me. He's talking about it. A couple of smaller uh, you know, radio stations in Halifax, Ottawa, Vancouver. But the bulk of the mainstream media are doing their damnedest to ignore this. Now, what does that tell you? It tells you that they are threatened by you and they're threatened by anyone from the inside who's telling the public, you've got to be careful. There's a club in this country of old guard journalists and they don't want you to know all the things that they know. To me, the important element of the disruption of, of organizations like BuzzFeed Canada, it's been proven. The disruption is not only technological. It's a new way of doing things. It's disturbing the club. And that is terrifying a bunch of things. To me, that's why they're being quiet. All right. I mean, there's just uh, we, I think we could spend the rest of the episode just on this. And I think you're absolutely right that there are new questions that we need a little bit more pressure and some other places to pick up, not just your story, but the, but the questions that your story brings up about the star. But there's just so much going on this week that uh, I want to move on. I mean, we're just like we're in the shit right now. It's past Labor Day and the the campaign is in full swing and there's so much information coming out and it's really testing the capacity of, of the media to, to keep up, to vet the candidates, to vet the facts that are coming out. I mean, this this revelation, a one point nine billion dollar surplus. And, you know, that that I think uh, Glenn McGregor said this is huge when the conservatives announced that. And it really does a lot to counter this idea that, you know, oh, we're in recession and they're not the stewards of the economy that we thought. But I, I will say, I, you know, like the media has been doing a decent fact check of that claim. I mean, Jeffrey Simpson in the Globe and Mail uh, uh, compelling people to be skeptical of that. 
Paul McLeod, what what do you think of this uh, surplus announcement? Well, it's I, everything has become technical. We're in a technical recession. This is a technical surplus. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is that the numbers will add up, and it's based on some unsustainable one-time things such as EI payments, sales of auto shares. I mean, everyone right now is we're going to have a debate tomorrow, and it's going to be about economic issues, and everyone is going to be cherry-picking their own facts, and it's going to be exhausting. And it is tiring as a journalist to try to sit back and say, okay, what is actually important here? Definitely, it is good news that we ended up in the black last year. Uh, I personally am very skeptical work that not just conservatives, but anyone would be able to run a balanced budget this year because we are back in a recession. Oil is The price of oil is plummeting. There's a bunch of things that made last year's uh, surplus make it look like it's not going to be very easy to repeat. So, I mean, look, everyone knows that, you know, aside from the numbers and the the framing of this, that the economy is not doing very well right now. So I am kind of think the media tends to overblow these sort of things of are we in a, a surplus or a deficit by 0.1% of the budget. Uh, I think the bigger issue is, you know, what's actually happening with the job numbers and, you know, things like that are, are not going as well. But there is a story just in how they were able to achieve this surplus. And uh, I apologize because I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. Lee Bertium of the Ottawa Citizen. Can anyone correct my pronunciation there of Lee's last name? I think it's Bertium. Bertium. He talked about how essentially government departments were sort of ordered to hand back to the federal government uh, an estimated $8.7 billion of unspent money. And this was like for programs that had been publicly announced by the government. This is like what, you know, you can have a surplus if you stop doing what government is is supposed to do and has announced that they're going to do. And that includes money that was earmarked for refugees. You know, here we are in, in a global refugee crisis on an order of magnitude bigger than anything since World War II. This is not a small issue. The government is crowing about how they're saving money and running a surplus. And then you find out that they took away money from refugee resettlement programs. I mean, I, I have a problem with that. I'm not being partisan to the slightest. I don't care, frankly, who runs Canada. But if you if you can stand on your moral high horse and brag about saving money when people are dying who could join their relatives here, they have sponsors, they have church groups, uh, countless people begging to bring these people in, and, and here you are bragging about saving money and then people die. I can't live with that. And you're not, and we're not just talking about like how could you spend money on military when there's people starving. Like we're talking about money that was specifically earmarked for refugees that didn't get spent in the midst of a global refugee crisis. Paul McLeod, you did a fact check on Stephen Harper's claim that in fact Canada's leading in bringing refugees in. Yeah, and actually at the time he was coaching his words a little more. He was saying things like refugees and immigration. We lead the world in refugees and immigration, and I. You know, in my initial fact check, I said, well, there's no way that makes sense any way you parse it. Since then, he's gone on to be even more clear and say we are number one per capita in the world in terms of resettling uh, refugees. Uh, it's just that's, that's not true. There is, it, it's not true in any way, shape or form. We are not first. Even, I think I know what they're trying to do, which is they're pointing to a very certain data set, uh, which only captures about – 100,000 of the 6 million refugees on Earth, even then we're not number one in the world. So this has been, uh, he, he'd been claiming this over and over on campaign stops, and uh, I haven't been on the trail, so I, I keep hoping that other people will ask him about this. The Canadian government has just been lying about its place in the world and bringing in refugees. It's just so hard to know what we should be focusing on, and so many of the headlines, 
get overtaken by uh, candidate after candidate who gets removed, not just from the conservatives' uh, campaigns and, 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 and writings where, you know, these candidates were never going to win anyhow, but we're seeing a social media vetting of candidates, a, lo- a lot of which is not getting done by the mainstream media. There's this some random political blog uh, keeps finding embarrassing social media remnants from various conservative candidates. But, you know, it's happened with NDP candidates with statements about Israel. There's just this process of finding inconsistencies with people's personal uh, online statements and now their party's platforms. And one by one, these candidates are dropping like flies. And, you know, the stories are funny. They're silly. And they often are kind of inconsequential because you're not talking about serious contenders anyhow. Is this a distraction from the real issues like like the refugee issue? Personally, uh, I'm a big picture guy. You know, people know I used to be a foreign correspondent. So the my bias is I care about what Canada looks like to the rest of the world and if if we have a role to play in the rest of the world. And I know from life experience, we used to be an important middle power. People turned to us to lead, to be in the middle, to try to, to bring warring sides together or to bring peacekeepers or whatever. And I don't understand how Canada's diminished stature in the world became a partisan issue. We're all Canadians. Who cares whether you're a conservative, a Democrat, a liberal, a green, or whatever? If you leave this country and ask people, especially in areas like development or diplomacy, they'll tell you Canada doesn't matter anymore. You know, don't forget, CETA, which was a world leader in development, and it wasn't just money, it was developing theories of development and showing people the right way to do it, it's been shut down. Now, you know, I haven't heard anybody mention that in any, any debate or anywhere else. That's a major loss of Canadian influence in the world. I'll take that as a yes to we're getting distracted with silly stories. Paul McLeod, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, it's gotten absurd at this point. I've actually lost count of how many candidates have either had to step down or apologize. And at the beginning of the election, I mean, if you've got someone who's coming out and saying overtly racist or homophobic stuff, then I get that that person that, that person stepping down and the party dropping them. But we've gotten farther and farther over the course of this campaign. Uh, someone, a candidate's husband, posing with a fake cap gun and a you know a sort of a gangster <laughs> scene. We've got uh, I did a story today about a guy whose chief sin seems to be going on the website rap lyrics and uh, explaining the lyrics of a song, which is a thing you can do on the site, explain the lyrics of a song. It wasn't even an actual rap song. It was a comedy video about Adam rapping against Eve in a rap battle. I mean, it was him doing this very deadpan explanations. Uh, somehow is enough for him to not be suitable to stand for parliament in Canada. And I think at this point, everyone is starting to realize we've all said stupid shit on Facebook or Twitter over the years. None of us are eligible to be MPs if this is how low the bar is. No, I, I, I'm going to push back on that. I mean, if you if he was caught on Rap Genius with offensive comments like decoding in a deadpan fashion a Ghostface song, that's one thing. But to like decode a historical rap battles video, is it's so lame that I think he should be thrown out on that basis. But I, look, we sometimes conflate like social media with silliness when, you know, like, like I was Actually, I have to give CBC props on the national. There was a story that was actually digging in to the conservative party. Potentially, I think that they just, they did not deny it, that they were buying Facebook likes. When you click on a video, somehow there's some malware without 
intending to like the conservative party you would find yourself having liked the conservative party on facebook which is like it's it's deceit if that is true uh, then you know you're hijacking people's social media presence. I mean, the, for, for the ruling party to, for any party to be doing that, and for the national to have caught that, I'm not sure if it was their story. I, I was just surprised to see it there. Uh, that's a relevant story. I mean, like it's you know I don't know where it ranks if it's the most relevant thing, but I think that's that's a, a viable story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. But to me, what does that story tell you? It, it, it it's like the it's like the Franklin shipwrecks that things have reached such a bizarre level that you've got a bunch of operatives pressing likes behind people's backs and somehow that's going to change public opinion. I, I mean, come on, who, who's, who's running this ship? <laughs> if, if you think you can win an election by making false likes on Facebook, please quit and get some people who have some ideas. We haven't collapsed so far that ideas don't win elections. And whoever is overseeing all this other garbage, I, I mean, who, who's training them? And is this is this the Wizard of Oz or whoever the hell he is? The it, it all sounds great. It's all good inside baseball, but I can't believe for a second that it sways enough voters to win an election. Uh, yeah, to, well, uh, to sort of disagree with that. I mean, in the twenty eleven election, the media in general missed a massive element of what went down which was that it was a, it was a dirty election i mean there was there was robocalls there was so many tales of alleged voter fraud let's just say i mean that that afterwards uh, not to absolve myself but i didn't actually cover the election i got here afterwards and talking to people there were a lot of people really bitter and saying that was a dirty election and you know due to the reporting of people like Glenn McGregor and Steve Meyer we actually know for a fact that there was election fraud people like Peter Panache lost their seats there were stories that were written – there was one in the Hill Times that never got a lot of attention, but it, uh, that was really op- eye-opening to me about someone, almost certainly the Conservative Party, was uh, applying to Elections Canada to move polling stations to areas that were more Christian and more high income uh, for reasons of clearly get-out-the-vote purposes. So there was all these shifty things happening below the surface that were missed at the time by media in 2011, and I, and I, I think – there's more cognizance of that, and I can. I think that's sort of partly what CBC is trying to do. I, I do agree with Paul that we focus so much on the online stuff, and that doesn't move votes in the same way. Uh, but I mean, anything that kind of digs below the surface like that, I think, is is the type of stuff that reporters really need to keep an eye on because we, we we've dropped the ball in the past. I completely agree with you. But here's the thing: I, I have this terrible habit now of quoting Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> uh, you, you remember he used to say a lot: uh, you, "You don't know what you don't know," right? Um, I, I don't think ordinary Canadians. Canadians understand how far the media has fallen, largely because of financial problems. So, for instance, the Toronto Star used to have foreign bureaus all over the world. So a refugee crisis of this uh, this seriousness, you would have been reading about it months ago. They would have had a reporter following the refugees, all this stuff. We, we don't have that anymore. Yeah. So what we have instead is reporters picking away at relatively minor things. They're, they're all – they're important. You have to report them. I'm not saying that. But, but the media has declined, the mainstream media, in my opinion, has declined so much in the last 10 to 15 years that th- there isn't a lot of, of serious reporting to create a debate. So, so who's running the ship now? 
It's the political operatives. My fear is that I'm, I'm creating my own little bubble here, and I try to get contrary voices and conservative voices on this show. But I think if you're listening to this, and we are looking at the follies of the conservatives as this uh, campaign seems to f- completely go off the rails, and you could get the sense that, like, okay, they're finished. But meanwhile, there's tens of millions of dollars in ad spending yet to come. They can buy so much media that I, I, I still wonder if that will be a louder signal than everything that's coming from discussions like these and what you're hearing from the mainstream media. There's just so much. We're about to get barraged by, and not just from the conservatives, it's just going to be bought media, not analysis, not debates, not discussed media, but purchased messaging is going to come from every source we can imagine. Yeah. And it's, I mean, here's one where I will, you know, own up. I was one of the many uh, reporters who covered the Fair Election Act uh, when it was passed. And all of us missed the clause in the Fair Election Act that would up the spending cap if the election was extended uh, further days. And none of us really thought to think that you could double the length of an election and double the spending cap. So now you're right. We we are in the situation where we in Canada essentially do not have a spending limit in this country for our elections. You can spend up to $50 million instead of the $25 million that everyone kind of th- had agreed upon to be the spending cap. And so what this leads to is more and more the parties, especially the, the richer parties, which in this case happens to be the government, but if it, if it were the liberals, they would have more money. It's whoever's in power at the time. They can just essentially ignore the, the media and Shout us, uh, at least that's their, their gamble, because they can spend such a huge amount of money on ads. And to Paul Watson's point about how the media has fallen, and I don't know this for a fact, I have a question that I'm going to ask because contrary to those 30-second little advertising messages or whatever gets on social media through that incredible amount of spending, I mean, you know, we talk about $20 million put into StarTouch, and, and that's nothing compared to the amount of money that's going to get spent in a few weeks on political ads. And... Countering that, what is the substantial place for people to get information? The debates. Tonight, there's going to be the Globe and Mail debate on the economy, and people can see it on CPAC instead of the CBC. They can see it on CHCH if they're in Ontario or maybe some other local stations. Yes, those of us who know how and are familiar with it and are used to watching stuff online can go watch it on YouTube. But how many million Canadians would have been watching were it on CBC? And my question is, did the Globe and Mail offer it to CBC? And if so, did the CBC actually say no? If, if anyone knows anything about that, I want to know about it. And you can send that to editor at canadalandshow.com. That was your Canada Land Shortcuts. I hope you liked it. Email me. I read them all. I respond when I can. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com, and I'm on Twitter at Jesse Brown. Paul Watson, where can people find you and what you do next? Uh, I am at www.arcticstarcreativity.com. And, uh, you know, Jesse, I'm going to take you up on your sponsor's uh, offer. If, if I can get maybe 10 invoices going, I'm going to switch and, and start using it. I think that uh, anyone who's looking to hire a freelancer, there's a, a pretty high-credentialed one on the market now. So, And, and Paul Watson, what, uh, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it is at Where War Lives. Paul McLeod, where can people find you? You can follow me on Twitter at PDMcLeod, P-D-M-C-L-E-O-D. And, uh, yeah, we, I tweet all the time, probably more than I should. Our website is CanadaLandShow.com, where our list of all the stories we've broken can be found under the subscribe button. Our crowdfunding site is at Patreon.com slash CanadaLand. The next episode of CanadaLand with Margaret Atwood will be up on Monday, and the next episode of CanadaLand Commons will be up on Tuesday. If you like this show, 
please support it. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's gonna get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.